Hey there, welcome to the seventh episode of Open Floor. I'm Ali Mosalai. And I'm Aryan Narayan. And we're your hosts for Open Floor. Before we begin, please follow us on wherever you get your podcasts, like Spotify, Overcast, and Apple Podcasts. A full list is at openfloor.me forward slash listen. Also, please check out our website at openfloor.me forward slash home and follow us on Instagram at openfloorpodcast. Now, on to the episode. This year has been and will continue to be a very hectic year. We have the COVID-19 pandemic, overall societal unrest, and even the upcoming 2020 elections. In the midst of all these happenings, however, the issue of climate change has taken a backseat, despite its continually growing in importance. That's why we found it crucial to dust it off and bring it to the light of day. We're so happy to partner with the Sunrise Movement in Lexington on a two-part special to talk about and emphasize the importance of the climate crisis. In this episode, we'll be covering the causes and effects of the climate crisis. Uh, We have with us Anya Rao and Kavish Patak, who are members of the leadership team for Sunrise Lexington. Uh, Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for having us. Yeah, definitely. Thank you all for having us. Uh, Okay, now before we begin, why don't you explain what Sunrise is and uh, what its mission is to our listeners? Definitely. Um, So Sunrise is a movement to um, save our climate, um, while at the same time creating millions and millions of just good-paying jobs um, and really fighting to tackle the inequities of our country by pushing climate policy and pushing strong climate candidates. And also, like with that, uplifting BIPOC and LGBTQ and those who are silenced in the crisis. Definitely. Uh, All right. Now, uh, at the crux of the climate crisis is the emission of greenhouse gases, right? So that includes carbon dioxide, methane, and ozone. And so could you explain maybe how greenhouse gases are responsible for an increase in global temperatures? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think to really understand and talk about the greenhouse gases, you need to kind of really understand what it is. Um, The greenhouse effect is basically when the atmosphere traps heat radiating from the earth to space. And really, it's been tied to human activity and human activity is changing the natural greenhouse and the burning of fossil fuels like coal and oil has really increased the concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere. And CO2 um, and water vapor and nitrous oxide are these gases in the atmosphere that that block heat from escaping. And so... That's just one of the reasons why. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, now, you brought up how uh, humans have been tied the change in like the greenhouse effect on Earth. And mm-hmm. um, despite that, many who deny the dangers of climate change argue that these increases in global temperatures that we have observed in the recent decades are actually part of a natural pattern of fluctuation and aren't caused by humans. How do we know that humans are actually responsible for this and that it's a pressing issue that we really need to worry about? Um, Listen, so we have seen um, the concentration of greenhouse gases rise since the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, a lot of these climate deniers like Exxon, you know, they've known about this crisis and they've known about global warming for a very long time now. They've spent millions of dollars on attacking it, on this idea, and they actually started drilling faster and faster. And, you know, same with executives across the board on the Industrial Revolution. They, there's been, it's been clearly tied to, you know, the concentration has started, it started to concentrate more in our atmosphere since the Industrial Revolution. Um, And if those big companies are still trying to hide it and lie, 
then I think that definitely shows a lot of evidence towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also like the fact of burning fossil fuels, right? With ExxonMobil, like Kavisha, the fact that there's 441 parts per million of CO2 in our atmosphere is frankly very insane and just like it's like mind boggling to me. And it is so it's very, very dangerous for us to have that much uh, CO2 in the atmosphere. And that is just trapping much more heat into, you know, our, our earth and increasing the ice caps melting and stuff like that. So yeah, Exxon knew this whole time. They've known mm-hmm. since the 1970s. Uh, quickly going back to your reference of the uh, 441 parts per million of uh, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, right? So how has that increased over, let's say, uh, years and years ago? Um, let's say, what were we at maybe 100, 200 years ago? And where are we at now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, this is gonna all ties back to, you know, fossil fuels and us burning like coal and oil and just really greedy executives like ignoring all this science really at the end of the day. And so that has really increased the parts of, uh, per million of CO2 in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Now, there are many different sources of greenhouse gases. So that includes transportation, uh, production of electricity, and even factories. Again, this is just a few of them, but there are so many more sources. And so which of these major contributors do you believe is the most important and why? I feel like this all ties back to uh, the burning of fossil fuels. Like you mentioned, you know, transportation, production of electricity and factories like that all I feel ties back to the burning of fossil fuels because, you know, for electricity and transportation, we need to burn coal or we have depended on the burning of coal and oil to really fuel us. So I think it, it really does relate back to, you know, burning of coal and oil. I think with this question, You know, it's a question really about our infrastructure in our country. Um, So listen, our country has, you know, relied on, you know, coal, oil, and that's what's caused things. We have been forced to use it for transportation, electricity, factories. Our infrastructure is crumbling by the day. Um, In my opinion, I don't think you can prioritize one over another because for us to solve our infrastructure crisis, we have to solve it with making sure that everything is included. Um, that's why, in my opinion, I don't feel like prioritizing something over another is very productive because then we may forget about a whole aspect of the infrastructure. Yeah, you bring up how um, prioritization has become um, an issue and that we really shouldn't have to prioritize anything and they're all equally pressing issues. But um, one of the well-known contributors, uh, like aside from these well-known contributors to greenhouse emissions, one major source of, of um fossil f- of uh, greenhouse emissions into the air is uh, agriculture, and it accounts for about 10% of our total emissions. And in what ways does this industry contribute to the release of greenhouse gases, and why do you think it has gone unspoken for? Um, it's because we need agriculture. You know, it's the food we eat. Agriculture is like all sorts of things go into agriculture, you know, from storing manure to, um, yeah, if you're eating, don't listen to this part. Right. But like storing manure, um, you know, that's a big part of it. Organic soils and more. Um, We can't simply get rid of agriculture, though. We can't because, you know, we're already having a food crisis, not just in our country, about getting people, you know, the food they need globally. Right. So it's not like we can abolish agriculture because people need to eat. You can't live without it. 
Yeah, um, like Kavish brought up like an important point of like manure, but then also the fact that like with agriculture, there's like many aspects I feel to it with like land usage, you know, changing land, energy usage. And also with that, like cows and cattle and beef production is uh, it requires like 20 times more land and emits 20 times more greenhouse gases. And I think that it is unspoken of mostly because people haven't gone too long without me and i think that you know companies are coming out with different ways of you know reducing meat by you know having plants and like making it so you're eating a burger that tastes like beef but it's not really beef it's just like plant-based um so i think that we are starting to edge onto it um but yeah uh, now let's move more on to the effects of climate change we talked about the causes for the first four questions Um, But now let's get to the part which is going to directly affect us in the future. So the effects of climate change have and will continue to ravage ecosystems around the world to the point that some scientists and authors have dubbed the time that we are living in as part of the sixth extinction after the first five mass extinction events in geologic history. Uh, Could you explain a little about how the climate crisis is affecting ecological communities globally? When I think about this question, I thought about the movie Rio, um, in which the blue macaw, you know, he goes to visit like his home in, uh, I believe in Brazil, and he sees like the deforestation and really just like the effects of their losing their home. And I mean, obviously, that's a cartoon, but we see this very much in real life. Um, The climate crisis will uh, affect, you know, land and um, as rising temperatures it will make our land much more barren and more susceptible to fires and deforestation too and um, you know we see this with the Australian bushfire crisis and you know deforestation ocean acidification you know coral reefs dying and all of these things because of the climate crisis and so kind of uh, because of this climate crisis how have the effects um, kind of have they worsened over time or have they kind of stayed the same? However, we're just seeing them, seeing all the effects piling up at this point. I think they've worsened, I would say, mostly because, you know, we've become much more greedy and our, you know, fossil fuel, a fossil fuel, like burning with like coal and oil. Adding on to that, you know, the effects of ecological communities, um, climate change is going to affect animals and plants, you know, um, and this will, you know, no doubt at the end of the day also hurt us, you know, changing our food chain, changing our system like that. And, you know, this would actually hurt a lot. This would actually hit us hard, too. Um, that's one thing that, you know, a lot of times goes under talked about when it comes to climate change, about what it's going to do to us with our plants, with our animals. Hmm. Yeah. OK. Uh, and so. Um, there is also the issue of the climate crisis affecting humanity itself, right? And so there are perhaps an uncountable number of potential future consequences that uh, rising global temperatures could bring upon society. And so this may include uh, rising sea levels, agricultural devastation, and also conditions that are simply uninhabitable, right? And so uh, which of these many effects of climate change upon humans do you believe is the most significant to consider? Um, I can take this question. Um, a quarter of a million people die every year due to climate change. Um, so there's no question whether it's going to hit hard. And it's going to hit hard in a tons of ways. 
Mm -hmm. you know, people are going to be forced to immigrate because the climate crisis is going to ravage their homes. It can cause severe droughts. You know, you know, we're already seeing it now with, you know, some of the biggest storms and tropical storms out there. Um, you know, we're seeing rising sea levels flood cities like Miami and Houston. My grandparents live in Houston, um, you know, and when Harvey hit, you know, that was a scary time for them. Um, so we're already seeing the big effects of climate change. And, you know, we're going to continue seeing it and seeing how it hits humans harder and harder and harder and harder if we don't take action now. Um, so, you know, I don't think there's a way to prioritize all the other issues like immigration and forced immigration because of climate change. I don't think we can prioritize that because at the end of the day, many, 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 many people will be hurt. They'll just be hurt in different ways. And I don't think we can, you know, list off like who's hurting more because I think that's something that has caused a lot of pain already in people. Yeah, and when I when I like read this question, I kind of thought about the fact that like the the effects of climate change, especially with natural disasters, there are such different <laughs> magnitudes, and certain natural disasters will affect certain places, and certain natural disasters won't affect certain places. And I think that in relation to where we live here in Massachusetts, I think like the biggest ones that we will obviously see is like you know flooding, you know any coastal city in town will see flooding, you know. The possibility of hurricanes with, you know, Hurricane Sandy really devastating New York and also been seeing the threat of short winters, especially with the fact that it is becoming much more hotter, uh, hotter and shorter with um, the amount of snow that we're seeing. There was a time in winter of this year, I think it was in January, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, here in Lexington, it was, what was it, 80 degrees, 85? Yeah. I remember that. Um, 90, yeah, that was I a forget. memorable day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so actually, I authored a climate emergency declaration for our town. Um, and, you know, we were at the select board meeting for it. And one of the select board members said, quote, how hot was it out yesterday? It was like 90 degrees. And she was like, that's a problem. Um, so we're seeing the effects right now up here in Massachusetts. I just quickly want to uh, circle back on something that uh, Kabushu had said uh, with regards to prioritization, and you had brought it up uh, a couple times. And so um, my one question is, I guess, um, if we were to, let's say, abandon prioritization so that we make sure that we get every single issue that's like uh, that we're able to see, is there any detriments to that than to prioritizing maybe the most important um, issues and then maybe working down towards uh maybe issues that are uh, things that can be put on hold, so to say. So there's bigger issues and there is smaller issues. But, you know, in my opinion, we can't prioritize, you know, everyone is going to feel pain. People are already feeling pain. You know, we can't tell a certain group of people, your pain is more important than the other people's pain. I don't believe we can put anything at hold right now to serve people. I believe that the government's job is actually to serve people and to support people. You know, I don't believe we should, you know, tell a certain group of people that are getting hit harder by this scenario from the climate crisis that they're not as important at the moment or they're not as important as a whole as this other group of people. Because at the end of the day, you're still getting hurt. We can't prioritize pain. Most definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. 
and also circling back to another point that you'd made, um, the strength of storms is, and the frequency of storms is definitely, definitely increasing as a result of climate change and other seemingly unrelated things like the spread of disease, for example, uh, both in water and through vectors like rodents has also increased. And how are things like this, which we might see as unrelated completely to climate change, uh, be affected by these changes in, in global climate? And how do you think these changes will affect um, people, human civilization around the globe? Mm-hmm. So I think that obviously with the increase in temperature, we'll see melting ice, you know, melting ice, melting ice caps in permafrost soils. And as these ices and soils are melting, it'll start to release ancient trapped viruses that were um, in the ice. Um, and as I was reading up on this, I remember seeing this story of this like 12 year old like kid in the Siberian tundra, and he actually got anthrax. And anthrax is like a very uncommon disease. And he got it through uh, exposure of like a reindeer carcass that had been like iced. Um, and it had been like poisoned with anthrax. And so he came in contact with it. And I believe he actually passed away because of it. So that is really what's going to start to happen if we really don't do something. Yeah, you know, we're lucky that that didn't go into an outbreak. It was so isolated. Um, But, you know, we'll see more diseases and stuff pop up, you know, um, and we might not get so lucky next time that happens. You know, that whole village and that whole town was hit hard by that. You know, multiple people died from anthrax in that area. Um, And we're, you know, we are lucky that it didn't get out. But you know, it may get out one day, you know, there may be a disease that's ancient in the ice that might come out, and it might spread. And that's a legit concern that people need to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so one, uh, definitely one uh, topic, uh, that's like a sub, I guess, subtopic of climate change is intersectionality, right? And so the intersectionality of climate change is often ignored, because many people may not know, um, about it. And so we find it important to highlight uh, these seldom mentioned topics. And so how exactly does intersectionality play into the effects of the climate crisis? Um, there's tons of intersections, first of all, with climate crisis and other things. Um, you know, it hits harder towards indigenous communities, towards BIPOC communities, um, you know, traditionally redline communities. You look at the housing crisis right now, well, also people that are you know, have been traditionally redlined, um, specifically BIPOC communities and black communities that have been specifically, you know, redlined for so long, you know, they're more likely to get things like asthma because they're closer to fossil fuel plants, Um, you know, and so we see it as a public health area. Um, But also, like, let's talk about climate change and, you know, workers. One thing that I think is really underrated, under talked about in the climate movement is people that work in the fossil fuel industry. You know, we move no, no net zero, no carbon, and no oil means no oil. Um, So think about those people. Um, You know, one thing that we have to understand when we're solving this and intersection that's going to happen is what are we going to do to support those outgoing workers? So, you know, making sure those workers get education, give them health care, give them a chance. So, you know, they can take care of themselves because when you lose your job, you lose your health care. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so we want to also remember that not only that this hits harder towards black communities, BIPOC communities, indigenous communities, but also the workers that have been powering our country for so long, you know, 
they're also going to be hit hard when, you know, if, when we leave, you know, coal and when we leave oil and when we got the fossil fuel industry, you know, we got to remember those workers. Yeah. Can we like touch upon like a very important point of like, you know, intersectionality, like affecting or like intersectionality is really finding common ground, uh, no matter who you are, your race, sexual orientation wise, you know, et cetera. Um, and our common ground in this case is, you know, really the climate crisis and, you know, like the climate crisis has been affecting the BIPOC community and indigenous communities very, very much. And I think that it, you can also kind of like, I guess, relate this to the comment or like what's happening right now with COVID, right? Like the lack of government response and the lack of, you know, help going towards like brown and black communities and indigenous communities right now really shows and brings out, you know, inequalities and injustices. And really at the end of the day, climate justice is racial justice. And we always need to remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a million intersections uh, you know, the climate crisis and gun violence, um, you know, there's just a ton. And even though we can't go on everyone, you have to realize that every single issue is connected in some way through some sort of symptom that of pain that this country's leadership has caused. Yeah, the climate crisis, really a major threat. However, the urgency of the climate crisis is a topic that is under contention, even among people who believe that it is a serious problem. How much time do you guys think that we have before the problem has progressed too far for a solution to be found? I, I will say I really hate thinking about this because it makes me really anxious. Um, uh, and like with this, like climate anxiety, I feel like isn't talked about enough. Um, but I mean, if you were like told you only have like X days until you were like in your until like your life gets worse before like you pass away, like you would be like on edge too, I feel. And I think that, um, you know, scientists have said with, especially with a, a Paris climate agreement that, but, you know, we have to get net zero by 2050 and then we have to actually start doing things up until like 2030. And so I think that, you know, that kind of range is what I feel. Um, if we haven't done anything by then, we're, I would say messed up. <laughs> We have 10 years. It's pretty simple. We have 10 years to take action. Um, We have 10 years to get ourselves to as low net, low carbon as possible. Um, 10 years to reroute and change literally everything, our economy and more. Um, It's a lot of work. It's a road that we have to be willing to fight. You know, we have to have the courage to move forward. Um, So, yes, it is scary to know that we only have so much time to do so much. But we have to remember, we have to put courage and, you know, our, not just like, we have to put our planet, the people around us, our friends, neighbors, family, we have to put them and we have to make sure that we create a movement, a revolution that, you know, pushes forward, that creates a better world. Um, So yes, I'm nervous. Are we going to get it done? I don't know. But I know if we keep on fighting, if we keep on you know, getting our friends, family, neighbors, everyone involved, we can create a green revolution. We just have to keep on moving forward and we have to be courageous enough to continue fighting for what's right. Yeah, Kavish, you're right. So it might be saddening to think about how we as individuals only have so many years left to live. But when you think about the climate crisis, you have to think about uh, the whole of humankind, the whole planet has 10 years left uh, before it's too late. And uh, because of that, I think that courage is extremely important. And we have to 
make a change as fast as possible so that we can have a chance um, to live with this thing in the future. Yeah. Now, uh, before we conclude uh, this episode, um, is there any are there any resources available for our listeners to maybe uh, learn more on the causes and effects uh, of climate change? Maybe you have some um, sources that uh, maybe you would like to tell our listeners for them to be better informed with regards to climate change. So Greenpeace is a great website. They have a great you know they have a lot of political stuff on their website, but they also have a lot of great stuff that they talk about. Um, if you want to learn about the more political aspect of climate change, you know, go on sunrisemovement.org, um, you know, and also feel free to crack open a, um, what's it called, a, an earth science textbook or, you know, what's it called? I know earth science isn't people's favorite science class, but, <laughs> you know, um, you know, feel free to crack one open. Feel free to look at those resources that, you know, you may have at school. Yeah. Um, don't go onto the Exxon Mobile website. Would not recommend. They'll just lie to you. But <laughs> do do go to uh, the places Kavis listed. Okay. Uh, so I think that this is a perfect place to close out our discussion and to close out the uh, first episode in the two-part special on the climate crisis. Yeah, you guys both offered some really fantastic perspectives and valuable insights. I hope both our listeners and me and Ali uh, can benefit from this discussion uh, because you guys presented some great facts and some th- things that we really have to think about. Yeah, thank you all for having us. Thank you guys so much yeah. for the opportunity. And with that, we conclude the seventh episode of Open Floor. We still want to continue the discussion with you guys, though. If you have any thoughts on this episode and the topics that we discussed, please DM us on Instagram at Open Floor Podcast or get in touch with us via our website, openfloor.me forward slash home. I also want to thank Amin Purgol Muhammad for producing this and all of our episodes. Make sure to tune into the second part of this two-part special where we discuss what we can do as a community to combat the climate crisis. I'm Ali Mosalli. And I'm Arya Narayan. And until next time, thank you for listening to Open Floor.